they were promised ownership in their prior lives and they were never given it. So they're like, well, we're going to start our own company and we're going to let our employees be it, uh, the owners. And so we kind of completed that mission for them, if you will. Welcome to SSR On Air. I'm Mike Rogers, your host for this monthly podcast brought to you by Smith Seckman Reed. Tune in as I interview leaders, colleagues, and clients about what is going on internally at SSR and in the larger engineering community. So welcome to uh, SSR On Air. Thanks. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. So today we've got uh, Tim Pretty with us, who's uh, the CFO here at SSR. Been the CFO for how long now? Just over 20 years. 20 years. So you came about the same time I did. Yes. Pretty close. Yeah. Close. Good, good. So so let's talk uh, easy stuff first a little bit. Maybe Perfect. your your path to, uh, to SSR, you know, a little bit about your history, where you came from and how you ended up uh, coming to SSR, and then maybe a little bit of the the story here at SSR? Well, you know, I started out in public accounting. I was at Touche Ross, which is now Deloitte Touche, or Deloitte. Uh, was there about five years and left there and went and was a controller for a software development company for a few years. Uh, and then a client, I did mostly healthcare back in the day and the audit. And uh, a client had called and asked if I'd come to work for them. So I came to work for them. Uh, I guess it was, I guess in the late eighties and uh, I was primarily, I was a treasurer there and I was doing financing stuff, a lot of leases, a lot of debt, did lots of acquisitions, probably did 20 plus acquisitions. We wrote up the uh, diagnostic imaging industry and actually took that company public, uh, yeah. and, um, left there and went to, uh, uh, FACOR, which is a physician group practice management company, was there for six years, um, mostly in operations there, uh, mm-hmm. traveled extensively, full-time practically, uh, got tired of that and uh, uh, decided I want to make a change. And actually, I talked to a recruiter and they said, what do you want to, what are you looking for in a job? And I said, I, I want a smaller company. I was tired of public companies. Public companies tend to manage earnings, not so much the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted a, a smaller company located in Asheville. Uh, I could have ownership in it. Uh, I wanted to be the CFO at that time. I was actually a VP of ops, uh, back then. Uh, and, uh, the auditor for SSR called me, who I worked with back at Two Shaws back in the day, and uh, it was a local company, CFO mm-hmm. position, ownership, and a smaller company. So it's kind of a perfect fit. Uh, and so, who who was your predecessor here? Uh, Ron Deal. Ron Deal. Yeah, that's right. Big deal. Big deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he was here fifteen years, I think. He was. Yeah, oh, that's good. Well, that's great. What's well, a nice path here? I mean, I, it's funny when I when I think about this and people ask all the things we've done over the years. And, and they say, wow, you've done so many things. And I always say, well, I've just been around a long time. Yeah, <laughs> so that's right. That's just all it is. That's right. That's good. That's good. So, uh, so 20 years ago, came here to SSR as a CFO. Um, at the time we were, um, we were an ESOP, part ESOP. Partial ESOP. Partial yeah. ESOP. And so um, part of the discussion today is that it's uh, it's October's ESOP month. Yes. And so we're doing a little bit of, a little bit of celebration, a little bit of uh, discussion about what an ESOP is and, and what it means to SSR. So, so I want to kind of start there first off and, and just talk about, for people that don't know what, what an ESOP is, maybe you can describe that to us a little bit. 
Well, it's just a it's a company structure, an ownership structure. I mean, just like if you and I owned a company, uh, we would be an ESOP, an employee-owned company. This is where the trust actually owns it, and each of the employees or members of the trust or participants in the trust. Uh, so it's just a it's a ownership structure. Two people or not two people, individuals own the company. So it's not really that sophisticated. Uh, it's a tax deferred entity. So we actually individually pay the taxes for SSR when we pull the money out of the trust when we retire. So the ESOP, ESOP plans were established, I guess. It's not really, it's a plan. It's a retirement plan, really. All right. Established back in the 70s, right? And, right? and did we, as a company, did we become partial ESOP back then when it first came out? We became 70s. a partial ESOP in 83, 83 when yeah. the full founders left. And what's kind of interesting about the ESOP is kind of the uh, the origin of it was, I think it was a, uh, a, a politician out of Louisiana. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was kind of saying, well, the only way you ever make any wealth in this company is to be an owner of a company. And most people don't get that opportunity. And so he created that structure, an ESOP, that allowed employees to be part owner uh, of a company. And so it was really kind mm-hmm. of a, a good intention of doing it is to mm-hmm. allow us to all be owners and to profit from that ownership. Yeah. And, and I agree. I mean, I think that's 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 powerful. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. Because, you know, the corporate tax rate is 25 percent and going up mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, under the new administration, most likely. Yeah. Uh, and so that's just money we don't have to expense. I mean, taxes are very complicated in terms to come up with the number, but effectively it's just an expense. Mm-hmm. It's another expense for a company. And we get to defer that or avoid that, actually. Yeah, by putting it into essentially a retirement plan for for everybody. Right. Yeah. In addition to the other retirement plans, which are 401s and things like that that we have. Right. The ESOP's a little different, though. It's what's called a non-contributory retirement plan. So Mm -hmm. each of us individually do not put money into the ESOP. The company is giving us that ownership. It's a contribution to us from the company. The 401k is a contributory plan, which we actually put our money into the 401k, and then the company matches it. Uh, Now, that match actually goes into the ESOP. So uh, I think that's a big difference for the ESOP. ESOP. It's just money the company has given us. You know, the ownership, we don't buy it. It's given to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of a cool setup. I agree. So so what 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 started the process? What 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 made us head down that path to say, hey, we've got this ESOP that we've had. We really want to switch over and be a hundred percent ESOP. What what drove that and how did we get there? Well, you know, it actually the the motive we had when we went full. 100% ESOP was probably no different than what it was when we went to partial. Uh, the four founders were leaving back in the mid-80s, or they weren't leaving in the mid-80s, but they saw their time coming that they would leave, and they needed to sell the company or sell their shares of stock. Anytime mm-hmm. you own a company and you leave, you want to get your ownership bought, and there was not enough people to buy their shares. And so they sold their shares to the ESOP. They actually did that over a 10-year period. So from 83 to 93 is when they did that. We had the very same thing. I started doing some modeling, I guess, back in the mid-2014 or so, something like that. And when I started looking at the individual shares that the top shareholders had, we were going to have about 50% of our shares being sold or have to be sold from the existing owners over the next 10 years. Uh, At that time, uh, we weren't a real 
attractive purchase. A lot of people weren't interested in buying our shares individually. Uh, some of the demographics changed in, in employees. Mm-hmm. They didn't have as much appetite to have shares. And so I saw a transaction in our future. And uh, it was either going to be sold to a third party because uh, somebody had to buy those shares, uh, mm-hmm. or we could look at a possibly internal transaction. Uh, and so as I started modeling and talking about it, learning about it, uh, and seeing the advantages of it, uh, it really started sinking in. Make, it made a lot of sense for us. I mean, it was really uh, perfectly aligned with our cu- culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so uh talked to Rob and uh, convinced him that it was a good thing to do, and here we are. Uh, and then we did the transaction. We finished it in January 31st, 2016. So, yeah, so we're almost five years in now. That's right. Five years right. in. So, and you still feel good about it? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, the, the, I guess the motive behind it was we wanted to be an independent company. We didn't want to have to sell the company to a larger company. Uh, we like the idea of being a mid-sized firm. Uh, we think there's a lot of advantages to that. Uh, uh, and I think for Rob, it was a lot about legacy for him. You know, mm-hmm. the founders kind of handed him the company and, uh, and he didn't want to be the guy that sold it <laughs> to a third party. Uh, mm-hmm. and so, uh, yeah, I feel really good about it. I think the the it's a perfectly aligned with our culture, and uh, I think it really uh, accomplishes what the four founders set out to do. You know, when they started SSR fifty plus years ago, their goal was to have um, uh, effectively an ESOP where employees own the company. I think mm-hmm. their history were they were promised ownership in their prior lives, and they were never given it. So they're like, well, we're going to start our own company, and we're going to let our employees be it, uh, the owners. And so we kind of completed that mission for them, if you will. So kind of cool story there. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think that's a significant advantage. It it sets up everyone to where we're owners and, and we can act like owners. And I think also it puts a barrier to those outside, you know, unwanted you know, Absolutely. approaches to, to purchase us. And, and I think people like to, you know, steer their own destiny. And, and so that's part of it. So, so with that, and with that, I, I guess I would say it, it's a, a security and the fact that we, we're going to own ourselves for a while. Um, what are the other advantages that you, that you see in the ESOP for our, our colleagues and for our clients? What do you see there? Yeah. Well, we already brought up the fact that it doesn't have a tax expense. So that's, you know, a yeah. big advantage there. Uh, I think the other advantage is, and we kind of touched on it too, is all of us are owners. And so mm-hmm. we're getting an ownership position in the company. Uh, and then, as you said, you, you know, we kind of control our destiny. So th- the success of our business is really the success of our, us individually. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it's, you know, there's no third party that's getting the money. So when we have a pot of money at the end of the year, it usually goes in one of three places. Either we pay it out in bonuses of some sort, we put it in our retirement plan of some sort or some way, uh, or we keep it in the business. Well, if it's paid out in bonuses, it's going to all of us as owners. <laughs> if it goes in the retirement company or retirement piece, it goes to all of us as owners. And if it goes into retained earnings where we keep it in the business, it goes into the stock value, which increases the value of our stock. So, you know, there's not this third party person that gets the money and there's no Uncle Sam getting it either. So, right. uh, so right. that's probably the biggest advantage is, you know, everything we do collectively has a benefit and we all get that benefit. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you, what about our clients? How do, how do you think they view it? 
Well, you know, I think they've got to see the benefit too. I mean, if everybody's working hard to make the company successful, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, how do you, how do we become successful as a company? Our take, clients take care of our clients. Take care of our clients. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so it's kind of a circular, you know, <laughs> setup in that we do our jobs well. You know, the mm-hmm. customers or our clients will do more business with us. Tell people about us. We'll grow the company, uh, and then we will perform and do well ourselves. So, uh, you know, this industry, if you don't take care of those clients, uh, you're not going to be successful. So I think this gives people motive to even do a better job for the clients. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I get, I get questions from, from our clients about the ESOP. They're, mm-hmm. they're very curious about it. Cause I think, I think I read a stat somewhere where only about 8% of our industry are, are ESOP mm-hmm. companies, something in that in that range. So it's not a, it's not a huge uh, percentage. And so there's a lot of curiosity about it. And, and, uh, you know, the thing that I always say, and, and I think I see this, you know, repeat itself is that there's a lot of power in looking at someone that you're working with and saying, this is your company. Yeah. You know, what, how would you make this decision if it was your company? Because it is. That's right. And it's really interesting to watch some of the responses that you get when, when that little, light bulb goes off. It is my company. Yeah. So I think it's important, Mike, for people to recognize that we all have different roles in the company and everybody has to do their jobs or their perform at their position. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously as a CFO, there's certain things I can do that others aren't able to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But in your role, there's things that you can do that others can't do. Um, And so that's the beauty of the ESOP is we all have to do our jobs uh, where we're at. And, and uh, that's how we make the company successful. We can't say that our job's not important because, you know, we're a receptionist uh, or whatever. Well, if they do their jobs well, that makes a big impact on our clients and the people who call in. Uh, So every role is important uh, and everybody has a different way to contribute to our success. Uh, And we shouldn't look around and go, oh, that person's, you know, Steve Lane, he's a CEO. He's doing everything. Well, he's not. He's got obviously a very strong workforce around him that's making this company successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a a lot to be said for that, doing the best you can and and what you're what your role is right. it has has an impact, and and people people say that to me too. They say, "Well, I'm not sure how I impact the company," and 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 you can immediately look at them and go, "Look, every time you talk to a client, whether it's an internal client or an external client, and you have that that ownership kind of mentality of this is this is my firm, and I want to make sure that that everybody's taken care of, and, and we're moving forward." You get a different response, I think, and yeah. and, and that ownership of it. So. Yeah. And then if we, like I said, if we do a good job, our stock value will go up, our distributions will go up, our retirement contributions will go up. So it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty good setup. Yeah. I think you make that point well, is that, um, there's no, there's no hidden pot of money here. That's right. I mean, it, the money goes in three places and all three of those places, it, it affects us as employees and as that's colleagues. Right. So that's right. That's, 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 uh, I think that's the, the clarity, the, uh, the openness of that is, is good. Yeah. The other piece I think that's a benefit of the ESOP is part of the challenge when you have a employee owned company, again, you and I could have an employee owned company and let's say we both own 50% of that company. When you leave, we've got to come up with 50% to buy you out. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the goal of the ESOP is to have a widely distributed ownership. So mm-hmm. there's no large shareholders. And so that allows you to manage that repurchase obligation. Uh, every small company that's uh, got ownership of any sort will have to face a ownership transition at some point. Right. Uh, and when you have big owners, 
they become just big problems to have to deal with. And mm-hmm. so the goal is to spread that ownership out over, in our case, 450 people, uh, and everybody's got some piece of the pie. So you don't have those big lumps of ownership that you got to manage downstream. Yeah, yeah, it smooths out that curve a little bit and exactly. it allows you to plan for it maybe a little better. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's planning for it's a big Big piece of it. Big sure. part of what you do. I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's good. You know, the key for us as an ESOP is growth. We have to grow the company. And so as a ESOP, it's imperative that we grow the company. Uh, one that allows us to facilitate that ownership transition that does go on inside of the ESOP, but also creates value and creates wealth for all the owners. And so that's a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then kind mm-hmm. of Part of that growth is we have to have uh, leadership development. Uh, I mean, for us to remain an independent company, we have to manage our leadership development. Right. Uh, and so what does that mean? Everybody who's here gets opportunities to grow in their careers and the things that they're doing. So, um, you know, I think that's very important. I know we have a lot of training and development programs that we do. Uh, and so that's a good thing for a company like ours and for the colleagues that we have here. Yeah. Yeah. We, and we've talked a bit about the the growth and the idea behind growth on, on another podcast where, you know, I think it is about growing the company, but that's the, the purpose of that is to grow the people and, and it, and it feeds itself. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about that and, and I agree. So, uh, the, the ESOP has, you know, stock evaluation that's done every year. Mm-hmm. And, and so tell us a little bit about how that's done. I get a lot of questions about where does the stock evaluation come from? Who yeah. determines what the stock value is? How do we get there? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, we have an external trustee, uh, and it, it's called a, uh, a delegated uh, trust agreement, which we tell the trustee kind of how we want to run the business. There's two items that are not delegated. The trustee keeps those. One is they pick the valuation firm. So there's a third-party independent firm that does our valuation, and we have no control over that. The third-party trustee, the independent trustee picks that. And then they pick the share price. Are they uh, working with the valuation firm determine what the share price is? So that's an independent process that management is not a part of. Uh, And so what they do is they do several, they do a pretty extensive study. The report they do is probably about 140 pages long, uh, and they go through several different uh, parts to it. Uh, The first one is, is they evaluate the company. Uh, So I like to think of it as if you were selling your home, how would you value your home? Well, the first thing they would do, they come in and look at the condition of your home. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's ran down, obviously that impacts the value. And so if you're on a street that's got houses that are similarly priced, if yours is ran down, yours is going to be lower priced, right? And so they look at the company. They look at you know how well our leadership is, what kind of development we have of our people, what industries are we in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're really kind of looking at the shape of our business. Are we in good condition? And so that's the first cut that they look at. And then they look at our history in terms of how we've performed. They're really important. Uh, care about how we've performed against our budget. Uh, and, and you we say, well, why, what's that? That we hit our marks, right? Part of the, Certainly they want us to hit our marks, but it, but the other piece is, is do they know what they're doing? Mm. You know, if you put mm-hmm. a budget out there and say, oh, I'm going to, you know, it's like if I said I was going to run a marathon in two hours or something, yeah. they they know I wouldn't know what I was doing <laughs> at that point. But if I gave them a number that was reasonable and I hit it, they'd say, mm. well, he, he kind of knows what he's doing. And, and they look at companies that way too. And so they compare our performance to our budgets to say, do they know what they're doing and running the business? And so that's that credibility factor that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, again, everybody wants 
you know, a sure thing. Uh, you know, if you were betting on horses, you know, you're going to bet on the horse that wins all the time, or at least you have lower odds because they're going to win more often. Uh, and so they're just trying to determine, do we have credibility in terms of our performance? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of their baseline. Uh, and once they do that, they go through a series of evaluations. One, they look at public companies they compare us to. Uh, they look at recent M&A transactions, mergers and acquisition transactions. And then they look at a discounted cash flow. And they look at all three of those. Uh, none of those specifically are setting our price or kind of setting up parameters to say, you know, is what's the the ballpark, if you will, of the pricing. And then they kind of use their black box to decide, you know, what they think the company value is. Um, you know, yeah. it's kind of frustrating for folks like you and I that, you know, in, in our roles as engineers and accountants, you know, we add up the numbers and the, the result is the addition or the math that you do. Yeah. Valuation firms are a little different. They're, they're, kind of a soft number. They're looking at a lot of different things. Uh, so add some frustration to, <laughs> to my life and that, wait a minute, it's not just math. You know, yeah, you can't do yeah, it that way. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, that's the three approaches they use. They use two market approaches and then a uh, operating approach. You know, one of the benefits I think of an ESOP too, is in our industry, there is a, uh, pay to play structure in most organizations. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to become a senior leader in the organization or even a a leader at any level in the organization, mm-hmm. you have to buy ownership into it. And so mm-hmm. it's either a cash contribution up front or whatever bonuses you get, you're going to get 20 to 40% of that bonus taken out or payment taken out of that to pay for these shares. And so it, it's a pay to play. And, and mm-hmm. the problem with that is, is it's difficult once you quit playing well to extract them from the ownership. And so they're always here and they're always taking a piece of the ownership distributions out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, the ESOP, that's not a, no longer applicable. You know, we can either hire in people at a senior level if we have to, or as people promote up, there's not this, oh, you got to pay to get into that role. And mm-hmm. so I think it really enables us to recruit and to elevate people at a much uh, easier way. So they're not, mm-hmm. you know, what's the financial contribution I got to make to, you know, join the company, if you will. Uh, so I think that's yeah. a big difference in an ESOP for sure. And I think it helps us be more nimble in terms of, you know, people, you know, at different points of their career, they have, they're accelerating through there and they might get to a point that for life reasons or for all kinds of things that may change the trajectory of their own. And if they've paid to get in there, then again, they're kind of stuck in that role and the company's kind of stuck with them. Most companies aren't, uh, it's difficult to terminate owners, you know, when you have a small independent group of owners like that. Uh, And so this allows people to move in and out of different positions. I mean, a good example of this is Rob transitioned the last few years into kind of a reduced role, uh, reduced hours, but he was still contributing. Uh, But because he wasn't the largest shareholder, he wasn't taking a big piece, you know, of the ownership distributions that we had. So it really allows us to manage that leadership transition over time. Uh, and people can perform at different levels at different points in their career. And, and we handle that contribution of their efforts through the bonuses that we pay out. Whereas, uh, in a privately held company, there's always some piece of the partners or piece of the payout that's related to ownership. Uh, so it, that, that makes a big difference. I think it helps in recruiting. 
I think mm-hmm. it helps recruiting senior level people as well. Again, that's yes. not our model, but occasionally we have to do that. Uh, and, you know, if you go hire somebody in at a senior level and say, okay, I need X thousands of dollars from you to take that job. I mean, that's usually right. a, a difficult conversation for people. For sure. Yeah. 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 Well, Tim, I want to thank you for coming and, and sitting with me today and, and talking about the ESOP. Uh, excited about it this month and and I appreciate your time. Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me come in and talk to you. ESOPs are very exciting and uh, I think it's a really a good thing for SSR's uh, employees that we're all able to be owners of the company. Thanks for joining us for this episode of SSR On Air. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also connect with us on social media. Links to everything can be found in the show's notes. Take care, everyone. See you next time.